Amen. Jesus is alive and he lives within us. Well, he does live, and that's what we celebrate today, that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. And once again, I just want to apologize for any delay or blurriness uh, with the camera setup we're working on getting set up, which might be by next Sunday. It should be directly connected to the Internet rather than Wi-Fi. So I hope that you're able to hear okay, even though the picture's a little bit blurry. But we're going to get into... A Resurrection Sunday passage here in just a minute, and we're going to be actually turning to Mark chapter 16 here in just a minute. Mark 16, though I'm going to reference uh, John's gospel as well, John chapter 20, Mark 16 and John chapter 20. You know, I've already said it, but let me say it again. Happy Resurrection Sunday. You know, it's odd saying that while speaking into a camera right now. It's different. It's Nothing they uh, prepared me for in seminary or in Bible college. I'm going to write them a letter telling them they didn't prepare me properly. No, I'm just kidding. None of us have ever experienced anything like this, right? It's different. And I, but I want to submit to you that now more than ever, we are reminded how the resurrection gives us hope. The resurrection gives us hope. And we as Christians have hope. We have hope eternal. We have hope everlasting. We have joy. And we don't need to let anything going on in the world destroy or rob or steal or take our joy. Recently, we've been reminded of more than a few things. Now more than ever, we have been reminded of the brevity of life, or should I say how fragile life is. How fragile life is. And we see, you know, in James 4.14, where James says, life is just a vapor. You know, but we are reminded that we need to look to the Lord for strength, look to the Lord for help. Too often, we think we have all the answers. We think we have everything we need. But we are fragile, and we need the Lord. We have been reminded that the future is unpredictable. I mean, in the last month or two, who would have thought We'd be celebrating Resurrection Sunday this way. Who would have thought this whole uh, pandemic would be going on in the world? Nobody really thought it'd be like this. The future is unpredictable, but we do know. The Lord knows the future. I don't really usually like cliche or trite phrases, but it is true. The Lord knows the future. We know who holds the future. In Revelation 1.8 and Revelation 22.13, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Actually, I believe it's three times in Revelation, twice by Jesus, once by God the Father, or vice versa. The Lord holds the future. We have been reminded that what matters is not really what we think matters. Most of our way of life has changed in the last few months. Everything has changed. Did you ever think that people would be hoarding toilet paper? Never predicted that in my life. Never thought about that in my life. Have you ever heard the term social distancing? Never thought about that in my life. Our way of life has changed. Did we ever think that a microscopic virus could change the world? 
Our way of life has changed, but our hope is the same. Christians have the same hope. In fact, I hope and pray that we are reminded more of that hope now than ever. Now more than ever, I hope and pray we are going to the Lord in prayer, going to the Lord's word, that we are really connecting with him, spending more time with him now more than ever. And the resurrection is our hope. The resurrection is our hope. Think with me about things right now. For the Christian, the resurrection is our hope. We truly do have a home in heaven. The Christian life is about a fuller life now and life eternal. The Christian life is about living life with Jesus now and life eternal in resurrected bodies. Do we realize that? We live life with Jesus now. We live the Christian life in a relationship with him now. Jesus in John 10.10 said that he came to give us life abundantly abundantly that's now that's not just eternal life in john 15 jesus said he is the vine we are the branches we need to be connected to the vine to bear fruit we live life with jesus because he lives if jesus was dead in the tomb we couldn't do that but he lives we lived life with jesus in john 14 1 through 6 jesus says that he goes to prepare a place for us in Revelation 21, we see the new heaven and the new earth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, If absent from the body, we are to be present with the Lord. This is all the more important because the Apostle Paul had seen heaven and he wanted to go back. In 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul Uh, talks about going up into heaven and he wanted to go back heaven will be marvelous and what we need to be reminded of is that we win no matter what as christians we are more than conquerors we are more than victors in christ jesus we have eternal forever hope but the resurrection is you know um uh, what what christianity really hinges on I want to say the linchpin. Maybe that's a better way to put it. In a Wall Street Journal article, George Weigel gives a combination history lesson and apologetic for the resurrection. He says, There is no accounting for the rise of Christianity without weighing the revolutionary effect on those nobodies of what they called the resurrection. They were nobodies in the first century. And the resurrection had a revolutionary effect. He continues, they encountered one whom they embraced as the risen Lord, whom they first knew as the itinerant Jewish rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth, and who died an agonizing and shameful death on a Roman cross outside Jerusalem. As N.T. Wright makes clear, that first generation answered the question of why they were Christians with a straightforward answer, because Jesus was raised from the dead. You hear that? They answered the question of why they were Christians with a straightforward answer, because Jesus was raised from the dead. As they worked that out, their thinking about a lot of things changed profoundly. Actually, Dr. Michael Rydelnik, who you can hear on Moody Radio, oftentimes says there were 20,000, I heard the number correctly yesterday, 20,000 or so people who the Romans crucified. And there was one, there's only one, who made the difference by being resurrected, and that's Jesus our Lord. But often, he also says, we forget to talk about the resurrection when we talk about the gospel. The resurrection is is what gives us our eternal hope. Jesus was raised from the dead. 
you know, Doc, uh, Weigel in that Wall Street Journal article mentions some of the positive secular outcomes brought to the ancient world through Christianity. The ancient world was changed in amazing ways by Christianity. A new dignity was given to women in contrast to the classical culture. You know, Christianity gave a new dignity to women in contrast to the classical culture. Christianity brought a self-denying health care provided to plague sufferers. Throughout church history, we know that whenever there have been plagues, Christians were the ones helping people in a self-denying way. The Christians brought a focus on family, health, and growth. Christians changed the family. It was quite common in the first century for the husband to just kind of run around. And, you know, Christians said one woman with one man for one lifetime. And the, the mom and dad devoted to their children and their grandchildren and their family. Christianity brought a remarkable change in worship from the Sabbath to Sunday. Christianity brought a willingness to embrace death as martyrs because they knew that death did not have the final word in the human story. Death did not have the final word in the human story. Remember, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Because Jesus lives, we too will live again. Christianity brought living as if they knew the outcome of history itself. Do you realize that? The Bible gives us the outcome of history itself in the book of Revelation. We have hope like none other. Weigel in that Wall Street Journal article suggests that it's only through what he calls the Easter effect that these changes make sense. The social changes that followed Good Friday occur only if they actually believed in the resurrection of Jesus. They actually believed in the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection changed the world. But what I want to ask the congregation today is, does the resurrection give us joy? Does the resurrection give us joy? The, the, the word joy is a verb. That means it's an action statement. And it means a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Does the resurrection, does our Christian life, which hinges on the resurrection, give us this feeling of great pleasure and happiness? You know, um, in a literary way, joy would be to rejoice. Are we rejoicing, rejoicing, a Christian, lifting up our voice and singing because Jesus lives? Do we have joy about our salvation? Psalm 51.12, David was repenting of his sin with Bathsheba and he Ask the Lord to give him the joy of his salvation. So today I want to focus on that. I believe the resurrection gave the disciples joy. And we need to have joy as well. We are winners in Christ Jesus. Remind yourself of that today. We are winners in Christ Jesus. Let's read Mark 16, 1 through 8. Mark 16, 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way, in the way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus and Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. 
Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They had a type of holy fear. I mean, look what this is going on. They're going to the tomb, expecting to anoint, anoint the body. By the way, it's not for embalming. The Egyptians embalmed. The Christians did not embalm. They would anoint the body to help um, stop the odor of the decaying body. But they're concerned, who's going to roll the stone away? You know, the stone was heavy. I've heard as, maybe as much as one ton. And maybe they expected they could ask the soldiers who were guarding the tomb to roll the stone away. But they get there. The stone's away. They see this angel. And they realize everything changed. Everything changed. Their rabbi, Jesus, was not dead. He lives. So I want to encourage you. Rejoice, have great joy. Jesus lives. The disciples go from huddling in a room to, I would bet, rejoicing. One moment they are huddled, the next moment they see Jesus. Consider the rest of the New Testament is about the disciples spreading this amazing, amazing message. So they must have some excitement, some joy, some rejoicing about their Savior who lives. Verse 8 of this passage has the women leaving the tomb with, with trembling and astonishment. I think they had a type of holy fear. They were amazed. They did not know what to think of this. By the way, notice the women go first. The women go first to the tomb. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, John chapter 20 and verse 2, the women run and tell Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is probably John, about this. They ran probably in joy. You have the disciples running to the tomb. It's a foot race. And if you look at John chapter 20, the disciple whom Jesus loved, probably John, beats Peter to the tomb. They get to the tomb. They look in. And they see the tomb is empty. Then in John chapter 20, verses 3 through 4, the two disciples run to the tomb. Their lives are being turned upside down. And then later in John chapter 20, verse 28... Thomas responds when he sees Jesus by stating, My Lord and my God. And he worshiped. Thomas responds. He sees Jesus. You know, he sees the marks from the nails, the marks from the spear. And he responds, My Lord and my God. Now think about the disciples. Many of them were fishermen before Jesus called them. Then they traveled with Jesus for some three years. Now, they thought they were going to reign with Jesus. They thought Jesus was going to literally overthrow Rome at that time, and they were literally going to reign with Jesus. They're astonished. Jesus is crucified. He's dead. He's even buried. I bet this was a real downer. I wonder if they were a bit depressed. I wonder if they were wondering what they were going to do next. You know, do you think that they would take up fishing again? The disciples were not very good at fishing. I don't know if you realize that. Every time they're fishing, it seems like they don't catch fish. If you read Luke 5, John 21, and other passages, Jesus finds them fishing. They're not catching fish. Jesus says, have you caught any fish? They say, no. Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. they got to be thinking, Master, just stick to what you're doing you, you do it pretty well. You're good at healing people. You're good at raising the dead. You're good at preaching and teaching. But fishing's our business. 
But okay, we'll try it. They cast their nets on the other side of the boat. They always catch fish. The disciples don't seem to be that good at fishing. But it does seem like their rabbi, their teacher, have been crucified. So now they're considering going back to their old way of life. They're at a loss. For their life had revolved around Jesus. And then he was gone. They didn't know what they were going to do next. They're, they're huddled in a room. But Jesus really was not gone. He really was not God gone. Think about the hymn. I love this hymn. We're not going to sing it today, but I love it. Up from the grave he arose. Carl was playing it, I think, as the prelude. Low, um, low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. And then the refrain, up from the grave he arose. With a, I love this. I, love, I can just picture this. With a mighty triumph o'er his foes, he arose a victor from the dark domain, And he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Vainly they watch his bed, Jesus my Savior. Vainly they seal the dead, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor of the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose. Hallelujah, Christ he rose. Verse 3, death cannot keep its prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He rose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. The disciples were amazed. The early believers were amazed. I guarantee you those Roman soldiers were amazed. I mean, those Roman soldiers are guarding the tomb. And, you know, they're mighty Roman soldiers. And all of a sudden this happens. Up from the grave, Jesus arose. So, encourage us here and those watching. Jump up and down. Put your hands in the air. Rejoice because our Savior lives. He is not dead. He has risen from the grave. Have we lost our joy? Do we have joy in our salvation? Can we rejoice about our Savior? In John chapter 15 verse 11, Jesus talks about joy while talking about being connected to him. You know, joy can be spontaneous and immediate. A number of years ago, Megan and I had presents under the Christmas tree. Mercedes comes out early. She's always been an early riser. She sees it. She shouts out, presents! It was spontaneous and immediate joy. But you know what? We as Christians have a lasting joy. A lasting joy that sustains us. Many times I arrive home and I hear Mercedes say, Daddy's home, as she runs to the door. You know, she's excited. You know, Jesus is alive. He has risen. Are we rejoicing? Are we excited? Do we have the joy of a child when their parent arrives? Are we excited about this? Now, some of you might say, I want the joy. I want to rejoice, but I've lost the joy. How do I get the joy back? I want to share a few ideas. Everyone goes through dry spells spiritually occasionally. It doesn't mean that they're living in sin or that they've lost the faith, or anything like that. But here's a few things to think about. Make sure that you are in tune with Jesus. Make sure that you are fostering a relationship with Jesus. If you're not in tune with Jesus through spiritual disciplines, you're not going to have the joy at all. Think about it this way. 
One way we stay in tune with Jesus is time in his word, time in the Bible. Think about it this way. No Bible, no breakfast. Get your Bible out first in the morning. If you don't spend time in his word, you don't eat breakfast or lunch or dinner. Or maybe you have time in his word in the evening. In that case, no Bible, no TV. You know, make sure, maybe if you're young and you have a family like I do, you put your kids to bed, you have time in his word, and you don't do anything else until that. Make sure you're in the word of God, in the Bible, spending time in the Bible. We need to be in the spiritual disciplines to stay connected to our risen Savior. Spiritual disciplines like prayer, we need to be praying. Bible reading, Bible memorization, meditating, ruminating on the scriptures. We need deeper Bible study. We need extended prayer. We need fasting. I encourage you to spend extra time in prayer and extra time in the scriptures. If you're not connected to God through prayer and the scriptures, you will eventually lose joy. Spend time with the church. If you're not connected to the church, you will lose joy. That's a spiritual discipline, Sunday school, Bible study, you know, other types of, uh, of ways to get together, small group meetings, meeting with prayer partners. This time of isolation will end soon. And make sure you are connected to your church family. Further your church involvement. If you think Sunday is your duty and then you're done, you will eventually lose joy. We are called to be kind of interwoven together with the church. Listen to hymns and songs. Read hymns and songs. That's a way to worship God at your home. You know, it used to be people would have a Bible by their bed and they would have a hymnal by their bed. And, you know, old hymns, old, old hymns, they would have like 16 verses. And they would read those hymns devotionally. You know, in Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16, it talks about rejoicing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Listen to Christian radio. That's especially important right now. Moody Radio is 103.3 out of Cleveland. Um, I think it's like 90.9 or 91 point something around here. I usually listen on, on my phone. But listen to Christian radio. Listen to Christian radio. Ask Jesus to restore the joy of your salvation. Pray Psalm 42. Psalm 42, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Pray the Psalms. Share your joy. Rejoicing has applications. You know, we no longer have to fear death because Jesus rose from the grave. We no longer have to fear death because Jesus rose from the grave. 1 Corinthians 15.55 says, there is no longer a sting in death. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, the scriptures write about Jesus appearing to the disciples and over 500 people. Jesus showed many that he had been resurrected. Later on in 1 Corinthians 15, 13 through 15, the scriptures tell us that if Christ was not raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. That means that if Christ was not raised from the dead, our faith is useless. But Jesus did resurrect from the dead. Jesus lives. Christ rose from the dead. We have hope. We have hope that when we die, it is not the end. We have hope that when our family members and our friends who are Christians die, they are not gone, but they are with Christ in eternal paradise. We can see them again because they will have resurrected bodies as Jesus did. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. We will also experience resurrection and be with Jesus in paradise, in heaven. The resurrection separates Christianity from other religions. We must take confidence in that. Our Savior lives. We must rejoice that our Savior lives. Rejoicing must call us, cause us to commit to Jesus. Jesus calls us to be followers of him, 
not fans. Rejoicing in Jesus must cause us to share the gospel. We're called to share Jesus with others. Tim Keller, a wonderful pastor and writer and theologian, writes the following. He says, I always say to my skeptical secular friends that even if they can't believe in the resurrection, they should want it to be true. Most of them care deeply about justice for the poor, alleviating hunger and disease, and caring for the environment. Yet many of them believe that the the material world was caused by accident, and that the world and everything in it will eventually simply burn up in the death of the sun. They find it discouraging that so few people care about justice without realizing that their own worldview undermines any motivation to make the world a better place. In other words, why sacrifice for the needs of others if in the end, nothing we do will make any difference? If the resurrection of Jesus happened, however, that means there's infinite hope and reason to pour ourselves out for the needs of the world. The resurrection did indeed happen. There's infinite reason to pour ourselves out for the needs of the world. You know, when we have joy, we share it. Joy is a gift that keeps on giving if we allow it to. I encourage you, share Jesus with others. Share that Jesus has risen. Be excited about this. Don't let what's going on in the world right now steal or rob your joy. We have the same hope we've always had. We have the Holy Spirit within us. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, My peace I leave with you. Peace not as the world gives you. Jesus gives us his peace through the Holy Spirit. We have the same eternal hope as always, if you know Christ. So I want to ask you this. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Is Jesus your Lord and your Savior? Are you a follower of Jesus? The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. The Bible says that the penalty for sin is death, Romans 6.23. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him, John 14.6. The Bible teaches that sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59.2. The Bible says that God will not let the guilty go unpunished, 2 Thessalonians 1.8-9. Yet the Bible teaches that God loves the people of the world, John 3.16. And that's a dilemma, God loves everyone and he wants a relationship with everyone, but the sin is a barrier. God can't tell a lie or he wouldn't be God, Numbers 23, 19. God doesn't change his mind, 1 Samuel 15, 29. That is why God sent Jesus. The guilty must be punished. Jesus took our punishment on the cross. The penalty of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Some of you maybe accepted him years ago, but you're not living for him. Now's the time to turn back to him. Some of you have never turned your life over to Jesus. Maybe you believed in Jesus, but you you haven't made him Lord of your life. Today, make Jesus your Lord. If you committed to Jesus years ago, but you're not living for him, rededicate your life to him today. If you've never committed to him, today is a day of salvation. We are never promised tomorrow. The Bible uses four verbs to describe our commitment to Christ. Confess, believe, trust, commit. 
We confess we are a sinner in need of a Savior. Believe in Jesus as the only Savior. Trust in him and commit to him. It means that we firmly make the decision to be with Jesus in order to become like him. We want to become like him. We want to live with him, to learn and do all that Jesus says. And then you arrange your affairs. You arrange your life around him. You make him Lord of your life. Wherever you're at, watching this, listening to this, let's bow our, eye, bow our heads, close our eyes, and go to a state of prayer. If you have not committed your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, I invite you to say this prayer with me. Maybe you committed your life to Jesus years ago, but you're not living for him. I invite you to say this prayer with me. This prayer is a prayer of, of turning your life over to Jesus. You're not saved by the prayer. It's not a magical formula. You're saved by what's in your heart. But say this prayer with me if you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I confess I have sinned and missed your perfect standard. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I'm trusting in you as Lord and Savior. I'm committing my life to you. Today, Lord, I am firmly making the decision to be with you in order to become like you to learn and do all that you say, and I'm going to arrange my affairs around you. Lord Jesus, hear our prayers. Lord God, for those that said that prayer for the first time, we know that you're going to live with them, and you're going to help them live for you. Lord God, I pray that every one of us, every day, we get up in the morning making a commitment to live that day for you, to make you Lord of our lives. But we need your help. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. If you've said that prayer, it's cause for celebration. Share it with someone today. Angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. If you have questions about God or the spiritual life, reach out to me. I would love to help you out and talk to you. I'm going to invite uh, Steve Varga to come up and lead the closing hymn and say the closing prayer. I want to thank Steve for being here leading uh, hymns and uh, Pastor Carl for being here uh, playing the piano as well. And then Megan's also running the computer, so I'm grateful for all of them. So... Amen, and I want to thank Pastor for, that was uh, probably one of the most hopeful Easter messages that I've ever heard, and I just want to thank him for that during this time. Uh, and uh, we're going to be closing with the hymn, Because He Lives, 292, if you'd like to stand with us. And for those of you that are, you know, a little uncertain, we are uncertain about tomorrow, and the politicians don't have the answers, the doctors don't have the answers, but Jesus does. And we can face each and every day because we know that he lives. God sent his son. They call him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know.
life is worth a living just because he lives. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because he lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know And life is worth the living just because he lives. And then one day I'll cross the river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. And then as gives way to victory I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know Life is worth the living just because he lives. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we give you praise today. We give you praise that you raised Jesus from the grave. The cross is empty and the tomb is empty. And because he lives, we can face whatever tomorrow holds. Lord, do we know, though we do not know what tomorrow may be, we do not know what you have in store for each of us, but we know that we can face it with you because you hold on to our hand. And Lord, if need be, you pick us up and you carry us to take us through, to take us through the adversity. You said you wouldn't take us out, but that you would take us through, through even to the other side. Lord, if death be close to each of us or the rapture of the church, church be close at hand, Lord, you will take us through. We give you praise and we give you glory. Lord, I pray your blessings for each and every one, Lord, that is there, that is listening within the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that those that may be discouraged, those that may dep be depressed, Lord, I pray that they would experience the hope and the joy that pastor talked about today. Lord, that supernaturally the Holy Spirit will just fill that place that they are today and lift their spirits. We give you praise and we give you glory. We ask your blessings upon each and every one in this special Resurrection Sunday. We ask it all in Jesus' precious 
and holy name. Amen. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives.